made camp along Red River. Watched the cattle as they bedded down. And back at the wagons right after supper. Spread our bedrolls on the ground. And me and Willie, we took the night guard. And the sage never smells so sweet. The prairie moon was blazing silver. No chance tonight for a stampede. Way over yonder, off in the distance, towards the mountains, there in the west. Did I see lightning? Did I hear thunder? My mind is weary. I could use some rest. Then all at once, the wind shifts directions. The clouds roll in behind the tumbleweeds. These longhorn cattle are getting restless. God help us all. They stampede. Smell the rain, hear the thunder. The midnight sky turns black as death. Lightning crashes, smell the sulfur. It's rank and strong as Satan's breath. The cattle rise up and go to running. I spur my pony on to take the lead. And across the herd, I can hear. I was only dreaming, but what's that sound? And I feel the earth tremble underneath me as the midnight sky begins to bleed. And from the blackness, I can hear Willie yelling. Welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Stampede by Chris Ledoux, and I thought this was 
perfect for what we're about to talk about here. This song was tailor-made for this discussion because, ladies and gentlemen, it is the official return of the classic pay-per-view reviews. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who may not know, here's how it goes. Uh, Basically, we pick classic pay-per-views from WWE, WCW, ECW, uh, from the network, and uh, we do classic reviews, and these are done by myself and the man who's about to join me right now, the one and only Mr. Gator Ricky Ross. Uh, However, it is technically this is Gator Ricky Ross, but it will be the voice behind Gator Ricky Ross doing this, so technically it's uh, the one and only Richard Glover Jr., but what we do here is we dive into each pay-per-view that we choose to review, and we do it from the perspective of not just two men who are huge wrestling fans, but also two men who work extensively in the wrestling business. As you know, Gator Ricky Ross, he is a wrestler, he is a manager, he is a referee, he's been a commentator, ring announcer. He pretty much had the indie scene covered. He did everything but pop the popcorn. Um, and no, I did that too. You actually, you did? <laughs> I've worked concessions before, yes. Oh God, that's about the one area I haven't been to. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, because yeah, they don't sell pizza. <laughs> pizza, baby. Uh, but if they did, I, I would have been fired. But anyway, um, of course, True. as you guys know, um, I am also in the business. I am a ring announcer slash commentator. I've hung up posters. I've done a lot of behind the scenes shit. I've chauffeured wrestlers. I, I yeah, I got a He's lot put of rings. Uh, yes, I've done that. It has. I've done a lot of stuff in the indie scene as well. So we're two guys who know the business, love the business, and want to take a look back and really shed some knowledge on these pay-per-views that we may not have necessarily had at the time that we watched these, but now that we have the knowledge that we have, we can really dive in and take a good look at it. And this week, we have chosen from the WCW, we have, or in this case, Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, the Bunkhouse Stampede, 1988. And the reason we have chosen this pay-per-view is because we were inspired, uh, ironically, by All Elite Wrestling, who had a bunkhouse match recently. Yeah, no fucking figure. Yes, they had a bunkhouse match on Dynamite, I believe, towards the end of 2020. It was the first ever bunkhouse match in AEW in wrestling. And, of course, it involved uh, the Butcher and the Blade against the Natural Nightmares, uh, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. So they had a bunkhouse match. So since a lot of people now want to get an idea of, okay, what exactly is the bunkhouse match? How did this all come about? What's all this going on? We decided the best way to do it would be to take a look at the bunkhouse stampede. Now, this particular pay-per-view, I believe, was the bunkhouse stampede finals. They had done a tournament leading up to this moment. And the tournament basically was to pick about nine wrestlers that would be locked inside of a cage and I'm gonna let Richard explain a bit of the bunkhouse in a minute but technically this took place on January 24th 1988 in Uniondale New York at the Nassau Coliseum which I found to be surprising because I didn't think Crockett worked in New York so I was kind of shocked this pay-per-view took place up there or that no go ahead this was done in retaliation to Vince running the free first ever Royal Rumble, which was done, which which was called the Rumble Royale. Um, it was being run in actually a big Crockett town, and it was being run on USA at the time. So it was free for TV. So the first Rumble was actually free for TV. Really? I did not know that. Yes, it was free for TV. It was on, and it was on the Royal, it was on the USA network. So that was being, so this was retaliation for that. Interesting. I, I, this is, yeah. uh, this is news that I, I didn't did, know. I did some Googling. 
right. So, uh, Gator, before we get into the uh, the matches, uh, explain yeah. for the audience out there how the bunkhouse uh, match works. Because obviously it was different from what we saw on Dynamite. Yeah. So, the bunkhouse stampede match that is our main event, which we'll be getting to briefly. You know, we're going to start from the beginning. We're going to work our way there. But basically this match was a battle royal in a cage. You win by throwing your opponent either over the top of the cage or out the door, both feet hitting the floor. Other than that, anything goes. No disqualifications, no countouts, no pinfalls, no submissions. And uh, we will see uh, when we get there that uh, the color flew. Yes, very much so. And of course... Uh, blood, I apologize. Co color means blood. Yes. Uh. So we're, yes. We're we'll be more than happy to explain all any and all industry terms as we go along. Um, yes. Because we always assume there's brand new people tuning in. Some of you might know these terms. Some of you might not know these terms. Either way, we're helping out those who don't understand. And we kick right. things off with the first official match of the Bunkhouse uh, Stampede pay per view, which was a match for the NWA World Television Championship. Nikita Koloff defended the title against beautiful Bobby Eaton. With Jim Cornette in his corner. I love this. I love everything about this. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna explain why. Because it started with textbook heat. You know, Bobby Eaton and the whole Midnight Express gimmick was all based on the fact that they were spoiled and rich and they were they had the best things in life, you know? Mm -hmm. So for Jim and Bobby to hug each other and show this kind of like, oh, we're together, you know, that got heat. And it was it was some good heat, you know, and um, Cornette does everything right here. This is what you watch if you want to learn how to be a manager. He didn't have to put his hands on anybody. He didn't have to do anything crazy to get his heat. You knew who the baby was and who the heel was. And Jim did a damn good job of making you feel that. He even gave advice to Bobby. You know, this is the whole psychology of it. A manager is supposed to be, as JR put it, uh, like a coach at ringside. And during the match, a little ways through it, uh, Jim stops Bobby, Bobby Eaton, and says, he's stronger than you, but you are smarter. And this is this, as a TV audience member, you hear this and you're like, wow, you know, I didn't think about it like that. I didn't, I didn't, you know, you get what I'm saying, Vinny? Yes, totally, 100%. Um, they had the fast chain wrestling open, and this thing ends up actually going 20 minutes Broadway, uh, which means they, they went the full 20-minute time limit. Okay, because I've always understood what, I never, because this is the thing, I've heard Broadway used multiple different ways, so I never quite understood the meaning of it, because... It means they, they go the full time limit to a draw. Okay, because I remember uh, Cornette said something a long time ago, this is when he was being interviewed about Ring of Honor. And he talked about basically when he reached the final straw and he was going to quit. But before he quit, he went to Baltimore to edit, to do some post-production work before he ultimately left the company. Right. And apparently he said uh, to Joe Coff, because Joe called him because he was the one that told him that basically, you know, he can't threaten people because he was basically saying he was going to uh, kill Greg the office boy. Um, well, would have to. Yes. Um <laughs> Sorry. And apparently he said, um, he said, he said, I'm not going to do anything while I'm here. So, you know, we, he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, people, you know, you can, you, you know, I'm just saying everybody can leave me alone or we can part friends or we can go Broadway, whatever it is. And when he said go Broadway, go, I was like, go what? Broadway in that term means till my, uh, contract is over till the time limit is up. Okay. 
Same concept, different wording. Okay, okay. Didn't quite make sense. Okay, so anyway. That's continue. what that means. Okay, good. So anyway, continue. Um, so they, they go 20-minute Broadway, and this whole match was basically based off of Eden working around the power of Koloff. Most definitely. Um, I definitely yeah. saw a lot of what – I, what I loved about this match was I saw so much – psychology and work in this match like i forgot i forgot like i've always talked about old school wrestling and how good it is but then Mm -hmm. i watched this match and i'm reminded it works people don't Mm -hmm. think it does anymore but i honestly think it does when done right by good people if it's if it is done correctly by those that know what the fuck they're doing Yes, and I think we can agree both these guys know what the fuck they're doing. They do, they do. Um, and Koloff, Koloff has his moments. He gets, he does get a little squirrely towards the, you know, towards the end. He gets a little rushy, but Bobby keeps just bringing it back. See, Bobby Eaton had this ability to work a guy and make a guy look good, and just keep him moving, keep him moving, keep him moving. So yes, and and, and when this and so like I said, we go twenty minute Broadway, which is which is. Uh, time limit draw. Uh, Cobalt for Tanes, and then the Midnight Express, Sweet Stan comes out, <laughs> and we get the heat. We get the full beat down with the racket. Uh, Koloff steals the racket from Jim. He's going to hit Jim, and they're not having none of it, so Bobby gets the racket and fucks him with the racket, and we see the whole situation with, you know, Sweet Stan coming out, and they put the beat down on it, which was, which, here's the thing. This made Koloff look like a good champion and a great babyface, but it also cemented the Midnight Express as mega heel, yes. mega heel, because they were they were still the uh, U.S. Tag Team Champions at the time, so you couldn't bury a tag champ. You really couldn't, yeah. And although I will say this, um, Gator, uh, we mm. may need to clarify for the listeners uh, what you mean when you say he fucked him with the racket. Okay. Um. <laughs> I just realized what you meant by that. Oh. Yeah, wait. I, I think some fans out there want to make sure. I, like, did he try to rape I, him with a tennis racket? No, 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 no. That wasn't the issue. They got their heat with the racket. They used the racket as a weapon and made it made people hate the fact that they had to take a cheap and easy way out. Okay, okay, thank you, because I because I'm because I'm just saying I, I I sort of knew what you were talking about, but I had a feeling there were gonna be people listening going, wait, 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 wait. He fucked him with the racket. No. Okay. Good. No. All right. Good. So this just... is so this is this is textbook like I said textbook manager stuff. Uh, you know, get your heat, piss people off, and Jim and you could see during the match, Jim's talking to the cameraman. Like the cameraman actually got in his way, and he said, "You're gonna get out of my stinking way." I mean, he didn't curse. Don't curse. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I also but, noticed at one point he got the referee with like when he was coaching up Bobby. You know, the referee got in his face and or, or yelled at Cornette. Cornette's like he's like, "I'm not doing anything." He goes. Are we going to go I'm back and forth the whole time? But he looked at the referee and said, are we going to be going back and forth like this the whole time? Mm-hmm. Like, that I kind of like that. And you, and you want to know what that was? What? That was in, that was inside shit. The referee was getting a little squirrely and wasn't wasn't solely playing playing into Cornette's hand. So Cornette was that, – that's basically Cornette saying, all right, you need to pay attention to this. Don't worry about me right now. Yeah. Wait until I actually interfere before we do shit. Yeah. That's not – which he never really did interfere. He didn't really. Not really. At least not in this no. match. Yeah. <laughs> and, I got, and I'm not going to lie. I always thought that was kind of weird because if a referee is – I mean, if a manager's in a match, is he, like, supposed to interfere at some point? Otherwise, why is he there? No, not necessarily. Okay. You don't have to always interfere. 
right. because he had his he had a, he had his shine spot at the end when he when they get their heat. Okay. You got to remember, Cornet Cornet's gonna get his heat either way. Now whether he gets it in the match or after the match is one one or two situation. Okay. There is no need for him to overdo it. Now we're gonna get into overdoing it here in a few minutes, <clears throat> baby doll. And um. <laughs> And we're going to talk about why that's not so good. Okay, so in that case, I guess we can uh, we can move on to the next match of the evening here. This is for the uh, the UWF Western States Championship. Uh, we have uh, Barry Windham defending the title against the levi- the legend Larry Zabisco with the living legend, the living legend Larry Zabisco with Baby Doll. Oh boy! All right, <laughs> here we go. Now, this starts collar and elbow. We get the slow feel-out moments, um, slow build. Uh, Larry Zabisco was the ring general here. He gets his heat on the baby face uh, with the, you know, the hair-pulling accusations. You know, Larry did have hair, but, you know, Barry's not going to pull his hair. So he's going he's gonna to try to use the hair-pulling accusations, which I've done even myself uh, is, as a manager. I've, I've done that. I've actually managed guys that are bald and told the referee, hey, he pulled his hair, he pulled his hair. <laughs> and that gets heat, man. That shit gets heat. Oh, it does. <laughs> it gets heat. I've seen I've seen guys do it do it hundreds of times, and and I and I use it as a manager just because just because I know it gets heat. I saw a tag team one time uh, that here in uh, Georgia at an indie show. I I wasn't working it, but I was in the crowd and. I this is a tag team. I don't know if you got to work with these guys or not, but I love them and I wish they were still around. Uh, the beautiful ball besties. Uh, no, I, I don't think I've heard it. I don't think I've heard them. These guys are a great heel tag team, and they always do the hair pulling thing and everything yeah. else. It's like it's like they're 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 Billy and Chuck only a little more straight. Like they're more metro. Um, <laughs> That, that's the best way to describe it. Like they're they don't go okay. to the same lengths. I would that, fit in. I would fit in managing them perfectly. Yes, I'm but just, anyway. yes, but I'm saying like they're not like full on like Billy and Chuck, but they're they're just very metro, you know. So they're still straight. I, again, they I would just, fit in managing them perfectly. And literally, like they were the best because like like they their entrance theme. I'll never forget it was it, it, now. Do, do you are you familiar with the song? You know that song. You are so beautiful. Oh my God, to no. Me. No. You know that song? You know that song? Yes. This yes. they did a variation of it. This was their theme song. They went, "We're bald and beautiful." Obviously. Oh my. God. And, that, and that would and they would come out and it was the coolest shit I ever seen. And they would do the hair pull thing all the time and you're and the crowd, the crowd wanted to kill them. Yep. Yep. But and some people now some people in the audience would laugh. Like the kid, like the, because they have kids in the audience, the kids would be laughing hysterically. The adults would be like, "What the fuck?" And then, but it works. And those mm-hmm. guys had the best chemistry I I had seen from a tag team in the indies yeah. at that time. Like Y'all I need was a manager. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if they, it, dude. Like if we could get them in UCW, I would love to have you manage them. I don't. Oh my god, I, I, I would, I would, I would take a pay cut for that. Oh yeah, like I'm just saying, if if Ronnie ever tells me again we need a tag team. I'm gonna be like, dude, we need the beautiful ball besties. I would love to see those guys and, in a ring. And we're calling and we're calling Gator Ricky Ross to manage them. Yes, and I'll tell him we're gonna get Gator to manage them. And uh well, yeah, so I'm saying, because they are that damn good, but they would literally say, like, we're bald and 
beautiful. Obviously, it's plain to see. And they would just do oh, that. And they were God. literally just, oh, dude. And they just, they're, it's the, it's, it's, it's a goofy gimmick, but they commit to it so well see, that well, you can the see past the comedy. Gimmicks. That's the thing about goofy gimmicks. There's good comedy and bad comedy, and if it's done correctly, a goofy gimmick can get over. Um, As, I mean, obviously, yes. a goofy gimmick <laughs> can get over. Yes, but anyway, I'm uh, just saying. I'm just saying. Sometimes that's not safe. <laughs> it's not. A goofy gimmick can get over. It can, but yeah. But I'm just saying that that worked. But anyway, that was my example of hair pulling. So uh, back yeah, to the match. Yeah, yeah. Back to the match. But back back to the match. Um, uh, to a little baby doll. Um. Yeah. So, before we get to Baby Doll, uh, Wyndham's facial expressions told the entire story for this. Yes. And it helps. It does. It works perfectly. And Baby Doll is the example of the manager that gets too damn involved. She's just doing too much. Talking to the referee at the beginning of the match, she gets in, in Wyndham's face. Like, you don't have to do all that. That's too much. It's too much. Back off a little bit. Back off. Be there when you need to be there. Don't be there when you don't need to be there. Don't, don't do too much. Don't do too much. Typical woman. Doing too much. <laughs> um, scary, scary botch uh, with a suplex by Wyndham. Yeah. And the announcers end up blaming on the knee injury. So he had a previous knee injury, and he went to suplex Barry. He uh, went to suplex Zabisco, and Wyndham's knee gave out, and it just... The storyline was that, but he almost dropped him on his neck, which scared the hell out of me. Um, started dragging about 15 minutes in, and I'm just and I and I end up writing, please God, pick up the pace. Uh, 20 minutes in, the pace picks up a little bit. We got to double down to the climax, and then Jr. with the with the uh, line, the classic line, gut check time. When both guys are down, it's gut check time. Who's gonna get up? Who's gonna get up? And um. The finish ends with referee uh, taking a bump and Zabisco using a high heel uh, to basically get the uh, get the pin and becoming the new Western States champion. Yeah, and I gotta say that the I do admit that was that was Baby Doll's a uh, good moment right there. Um, I also well that was it. That's all she needed. She she see that's the thing. As a manager, you get two spots tops. Yeah, two but, spots tops. She had three. Yeah. Well, don't you say that in some rare cases three is okay? After that, it's. Yes, but yes, but there was no need for her as a woman to get in the face of a man, and I'm not saying that to be sexist. I am saying this because if she gets in the face of Larry Zabisco and he, I mean, not Larry Zabisco, Barry Windham. of Larry uh, Barry Wyndham, and he hits her, he's healed. He's healed because you got to remember, back in that day, this is Southern wrestling, and in the Southern world, when you hit a woman, you're the dick. Yes. So, and, and, but there's also she didn't need to be. You know, it's there's there's examples of good female managers, and then there's Baby Doll. Yeah, but you also have to understand there's another side to that coin. Not mm -hmm. not just that if Barry Windham hits her, he's instantly the heel. If 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 Baby Doll hits him and Barry doesn't retaliate, oh, then he's a bitch. He's a bitch. So that, that yeah, exactly, that's, and that, that looks bad. That makes him look weak. Yes, that's the reason, and people don't understand this, and I'm going to make this statement right now, because yes. it's the one thing that always bothers me whenever yes. this situation comes up, is that anytime a guy gets into an argument with a girl, it is a lose-lose situation. You lose no matter oh, what yeah. you do, because anytime there's a fight, the second it becomes a fight, you got, you uh, as a man, you are left with two options. Pussy? You either, yeah, you either get the shit beat out of you and look like a pussy, Mm -hmm. Or you beat the shit out of her and you and look like an shit. asshole. Yeah. So that's that's really it. You got at that point, those are the only choices you got. There is no scenario where you come out on top. 
at that moment. No. You have to no. ask, and, as, and I'm not, and I leave that decision up to the men personally. But at that point, that's the decision you got to make, and that's a personal choice for you. So it's never See, but, good. But she should have known. She should have known. This is what will happen if I get involved at the beginning, and that's why I went no. Well, well, here's the question, and this is a fair question. Mm -hmm. Did Baby Doll was Baby Doll managing enough, have enough experience as a manager to know better at this point, or was she green to this? Um, at this point, she'd been in business maybe a year or two, so she might still have been a little green. Okay, so we can chop it up to her not knowing better. Yeah. Okay, because I want to know. I if think she's... I want to now. Don't quote me on that because I'm not look. I'm not looking at her her career synopsis. Okay. But I think at that point, I think at that point, she was just really breaking big. Yeah. Was she always a valet or did she wrestle? I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know honestly. I've only ever seen her as a valet. I think she was. Wait, it says but here I, semi. Wait, I, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Uh, says here, uh, uh, Ann Roberts Bird, uh, known as the Perfect Ten Baby Doll, uh, yes. is an American semi-retired professional wrestling valet. Uh, she is best known for appearances with World Class Championship Wrestling and the Jim Crockett Promotions. So she was in World Class in 1984, mm. um, and then she was there for about a year. Then she went to Jim Crockett Promotions from 85 to 87. Uh, then went to the UWF and then came back to the Jim Crockett in '88 to manage Larry Zabisco. Right. So and she, I don't. And so I'll she's be honest, been in the business like three, four years by this point. Yeah. So three or four at this point. But still, she's semi-green still at this point. Okay. Just want to make sure because I want to. Yeah. She's so then she's still semi-green. If she's only been two or three years at this point, she's still semi-green. Exactly. So um, that's something we should look but, into as well. But still, Larry Zabisco didn't need her. He didn't. And they could have easily formed an, a different, formed a different finish besides the heel spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And here's another thing about this. Even match. though I do, even though I do like it, I do think it's different. You're not gonna, you don't see that often. You don't. No. You know, it's different. So I mean, it's the first time I can, I can, I can legitimately remember that somebody used a heel and and I mean high heel as yeah. a as a fucking weapon to win a match. So you know, I like it. I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Back then, they didn't, yeah. didn't see it much. In in WCW, they use it a lot more often. In the yeah. well, and well, like I like I said before, Baby Doll was not the best female valet manager. The best female valet manager is one a Tammy Cinch, or or you can always go with Sensational Sherry. Sherry had a way of just pissing you off just by talking. Well, oh, so we're just talking about heel valets or valets in general. I'm talking about heel valets. I'm talking okay, about women that were more than just a valet. They were mainly manager, really. Okay, um, because I know, um, because here was the interesting thing though. And this is why this match, to me, as great as it was, was also mm -hmm. a waste of time. Because yeah. according to history of the end, if you look at the history of the of the Western States Championship, okay. Barry Windham was the first champion, and he and he held it in he won it in June of eighty seven, June 20, okay. eighty seven, in Houston, Texas. Held the belt for two hundred eighteen days before he lost it to Larry Zbyszko at the Bunkhouse Stampede. Oh, four God. days, one, two, three, four days. After this match took place, he dropped it again. Worse, the title was vacated because Zabisco went to the AWA. Oh shit! Okay, well, damn. And they just got rid of it altogether. So basically, Zabisco. Wow. And the and the reason was because he went to work for the Ganya for Vern and AWA. So basically, this was a clusterfuck in a way. I mean, it was a great match, but it's not really a clusterfuck. It was a great match. Yes, but, but a waste because of time. it was it was a really good match. It just dragged on a little bit. But yes. that being said, this was a waste of time now. It was very much so. <laughs>
And speaking of speaking, and, speaking of waste of time, let's go to the next match. I was just about to say that. Uh, we oh have God, here, here we go. for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. With JJ Dillon. Yes, with JJ Dillon in his corner, defends the title against Road Warrior Hawk with Paul Ellering. In his corner. One of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Which I'm going to sing that again later on another pay-per-view we, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, totally. I 100%. But I, but I gotta... I, I want to say this before Gator gets into what he's going to say. Um, the second I heard this match, I immediately wanted nothing to do with it, and I'm going to tell you why. I love the Road Warriors. I think they, you know, they people claim they are the greatest tag team of all time. I, I wait, disagree. Um, I if they're not the greatest, they are at least in the top three. They are no, in, they are in the discussion. 10. They are in the top discussion. 10. Top ten. I would say top five, but in the discussion. Top, top ten. They're in the top ten. They are they're stiff. In, they're stiff as a motherfucker. They would legitimately hurt people because they were stiff as a motherfucker, and they would basically always kind of take liberties because again, they were stiff as a motherfucker. Okay, okay, but at the they, same time, they had a they had a huge, and maybe this is just me because I I grade on a different curve because okay. I am in the business. But if you're going to constantly work stiff with me, I'm not going to be okay with that. Yeah, I mean I can see that point, and I'm not going to argue and that, against that's it. That's me. So yeah. so am I saying they're in the they're in the top ten possibly? Well, um, but well, they're not up there. They're not up there in the top five. You know, that's where the Freebirds and Midnight Express live. Yes, but you also have to take into account the Road Warriors are the fact that they, as far as drawing money, Draw, grabbing, drawing money, yes, grabbing but, championships, but, I mean, being tag team uh, champions, literally everywhere they went, they were they're the second most decorated tag team of all time. The Dudleys are the first. And, yes, agreed. Yeah, you know, and even that's and even why, pull, that's why they're in the top ten, but yeah. they're not in the top five. But also, also they were one of few tag teams, and this is a rarity that wrestled in main event matches. Yeah, they not a lot of tag teams do did that back then, and not and sure as hell not a lot of tag teams do that today. Like the Road Warriors no. had one of the most legendary runs in the history of the business. So I love them as a tag team, but. As far as singles go, if you're oh, gonna God, no. if you're gonna give a Road Warrior a singles title shot, it 100% should go to Animal, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. Animal of the two was the most talented, could cut the best promos, had a good, and had and had a good head on his shoulders, and didn't do stupid you're not, shit. You're not picking the booger, though. No, I'm not picking the booger. Oh no! You I don't remember that. You don't. You don't remember that uh, promo. Oh, I remember that promo. I can't remember the exact. I remember that was a. Was that in your house, DX? Yes, it was. Oh my God, that was when we did in your house. We're I, gonna pick the booger. I that you are. I I I could not sit through that. I literally looked at Hawk like, what what the fuck was he on when he did that? Like seriously, dude, that I was. You should have been I drug was, tested. Um, if if they had drug tested back then, he should have got one immediately following that promo. After that match, he should have been tested immediately because clearly th that he was on something. I'm sorry, Hawk, and I'm not trying. And I know that Hawk, and I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead. I'm analyzing <laughs> wrestling here. Let me make that very yeah. clear. Okay. Uh, well, and we're gonna do that. And 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 do know if you don't like our opinions, do know that we're analysts. Yeah. And we're we're speaking we're speaking from the heart. We're speaking what we see. Yes. Now there's gonna be some analysts that are gonna that are also in the business that are gonna say different things as well. Yes. So you know, cause we're not we're not motherfucking Brian Zane. I'm not Jim Cornette. Fuck you, Corny. We're not, 
we're not we're not all in, into that. You know what I'm saying? I I'm got not you. Eric Shaw. I'm not I'm not I'm not either. But I'm just saying Hawk was not a good singles guy. He wasn't. No. He could no, not. Hawk needed Animal. Um, animal needed Hawk, but not as much as Hawk needed Animal. Like well, Animal this, proved. And this whole, let, me, go ahead. let me finish. Animal proved long after Hawk sadly passed away, and Animal was still having some singles runs here and there. He well, proved. We didn't say it was sad. He proved he could stand on his own two feet. Now there were times where they tried a different, where they tried to do a reformation of the LOD briefly in WWE. You know, and we won't get into that here. But they, you know, so even though there were times, but when Road Warrior Animal had to be solo by himself, he could pull it off, and he was very, very good at it. So Hawk just wasn't. Hawk was like a dog that if you took him off the leash, he ran around the park and you had to put up signs to go find him. Okay? He was not this man could not I'm sorry, but it's true. All right? Hawk was a chicken Hawk ran around like a chicken with its head cut off and never yeah. grew back a new head, basically. Agreed. So anyway, that's all I want to say, Gator, the match. Okay. This this match starts with with just some Hawk Hawk is a little energetic and here's my thing, okay? If the two guys that are in the match agree that we're going to work a little snug or a little stiff, then that's okay. But if you're just going to kick somebody in the corner and stomp a mud hole in their ass and, and with some of the stiffest fucking kicks I've ever seen in my entire career, I don't know if I'm okay. But, but you know, Flair sold these things. He shined up Hawk because Hawk was the baby face. So he shined him up. He looked good. Shined him up means he, he um, Flair sold for him and gave him that nice, you know, look, I'm a baby face. I'm beating the heel, you know, that nice shine. It's like a brand new penny. If you shine it up, it looks really good. Uh, Hawk no-sells the chops, and which makes me go, what the fuck? Why, why does he get to no-sell the chops? I have a theory. I, just, I couldn't, huh? I have a theory. Okay, I, I, let me hear the theory. I think it's because of the Road Warrior gimmick, maybe. I, uh, maybe because they were, you maybe, know, they were the powerhouse right. guys, you know, because... I mean, because I mean, because remember, we did we talked about Great American Bash 1990, where Sting was no selling a couple hits and shots. Yeah, and but, and yeah, shots. but that was that was a different that was Sting's whole mantra. He was supposed to be young, tough, blonde, badass, you know. Yeah, and you know, and you know, the Road Warriors. I don't know how young they were back then, but they were tough and yeah, badass too. Well, and they're supposed to be these bikers. Yeah, so I I saw the reason for that because it fit their gimmick. Well, but... it makes sense. It makes no, it makes sense. Yes, but uh, Jr. Jr. says and. This this is my favorite manager line I have ever heard. JR says that JJ Dillon, who was with Flair, says JJ needs to lay hands on the nature boy and heal him. <laughs> As a reverend, because you know I'm a reverend. Yes. As a reverend, I, I giggled. <laughs> um, dirtiest player in the game. Uh, Hawk uh, continuously just being stiff as a wedding dick. Dear God. <laughs> And and the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, God damn, he is stiffer than fuck. Stiff, I mean, stiff as a wedding dick. And my granddad was watching it with me. And for those that don't know, my grandfather was in the was well, still currently in the business because he he promotes and books as well. Yes. And um, you know, but he was in the Virginia Wrestling Association as first Tiger, then he became the Eliminator. And he was actually, I sent Vinny a video where I found him. <laughs> Him jobbing to Manny Fernandez, yes. which is kind of cool. But anyway, yeah. um, but anyway, uh, and I asked my granddad. I said, I said, is is he being stiff? He's like, dude, that's stiff as hell. So we, you know, some of these, and I will tell you guys, if there's something my grandfather said during the during one of these pay per views, because he was either watching with me or in the room, then uh, I'm writing it down, and I will totally repeat it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. He's a wealth of knowledge. Amen. Uh, the ref bump, Flair gets color. Uh, Flair juices, he bleeds. Um, and then the top rope suplex and JJ's chair shot. And then Flair with the chair shot to the head. And then the DQ to retain. Which is just... At, the, at that point, it just we just needed a damn. I, I would have been fine with a count out at that point. Just yeah. get him out of there. It, it, this match was 21 minutes and 39 seconds, which, in my opinion, is way too long for the Road Warrior for a Road Warrior match. Way too long. Agreed. I get speaking that it's of, Ric Flair and he's a 60 minute man, but no, that was way too long. Speaking of things that piss you off, let's go to the main event. Yes, the main event of the evening: the oh, Steel God. Cage Bunkhouse Stampede. We had Road Warrior Animal in this match i would have preferred hawk at this point we had tully blanchard who you guys know from uh you know managing ftr the modern fans know that uh the Mm -hmm. warlord the lex luger before he was the total package ivan koloff uh, a a mutual friend of myself and gators the barbarian barbie yes double a arn anderson the coach for cody rhodes and (laughs) speaking of cody rhodes his father the american dream dusty Rhodes, if you will was in this workout stampede as well. So, oh, okay. Um, so they come out in street clothes. Yeah. And I mean, I've already gone through the, I've already gone through the, the rules to this. So I don't, I feel like we need to do it again. We we? don't, we don't. Um, it's a battle Royal in a cage. Just leave it there. Um, so they come out in street clothes. Dusty's got the cowboy boots and the cowboy hat and the Garth Brooks shirt on. And here they're out and they're, (laughs) it wasn't really a Garth Brooks shirt, but you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And everybody else is wearing jeans and boots and, and moving shoes and, and everybody's taped up and God the blood, the blood, the blood. <laughs> this was this was here's the thing. I enjoyed the violence. I enjoyed the story. I did not enjoy the stipulation. I did not either. I mm-hmm. this is the dumbest stipulation I have ever heard. And this is coming from a guy who watched a coal miners glove match. Like that's how bad this stipulation was. It if was, done well, a coal miners glove match can work. Yes, but I'm just saying the concept this cannot. is dumb. No, because And this was of, done well. Yeah, first of all, here's why I don't like it. Because the whole purpose of a steel cage match is to keep your opponent in the cage. Mm-hmm. And hopefully score a pinfall or submission or escape if or you escape yourself if you can. So for me, also, as I'm thinking to myself, usually in a Royal Rumble, you know, in the Royal Rumble, you got to throw the opponent over the top rope to eliminate them. You usually grab them and you're running really fast and you're chucking them over the top rope. You're trying to find this unique way to get them up and over the rope. You can't do that in a cage because the cage is too high up. So you can't chuck people over unless you got some type of Superman like powers where you can chuck somebody over in a single bound. Uh, so that's stupid. You try to force them out the door. Yeah, it's believable, but still looks dumb. Like the concept itself just looks stupid. So basically these guys are beating the shit out of each other. They're killing each other. They're making this match violent. But when it gets to a point of elimination, it just looks stupid at the end of it. You're just, you're basically doing all this violence for no reason mm-hmm. because it makes no sense. Even I could have moment, said that better myself. I could have said better myself. I mean, literally it's like when they're hitting them and trying to get them over the cage, First of all, I can clearly see, because I'm an adult now, I can clearly see you are forcing 
yourself over that cage. That punch mm-hmm. did nothing to you. That's that's what bothers me with this is this was the error where we were error. This is the era where we were saying, okay, look, everybody, this is real. These guys really hate each other. And then you see shit like this where you can clearly see Ivan Koloff forcing himself over the top. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that looks fake as fuck. And I hate the word fake. Uh, we both do. I, I, well, yes, but I've got in fist fights over it. Yes, I've, I've, I've taken young lads and escorted them out of the danger over that. <laughs> yes, you've escorted them out of the danger. Vinny's, I've, I threatened to eat a man's eyeball. <laughs> I don't remember it. Well, well, you're. I don't cir- remember it. Well, your circumstance was a lot different than mine because this guy was saying fake and trying to start a fight. This guy said fake. It kind of slipped out while he was trying to compliment the show. Yeah, but that was different. That was different. I don't remember saying I will eat your eyeball and skull fuck your face. I don't remember that. <laughs> yes, your friends I don't had remember to tell it. you. Apparently, apparently, I saw the rage. Yes, you you saw red. <laughs> I don't remember it. I, I really don't remember that. Yeah. In fact, the but. only elimination that was that that looked believable in any way was the finish. Agreed. When 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 Dusty hit the two bionic elbows on Barb and he hit the floor. Agreed. That makes agree, that makes I agree some with sense. That. Everything that else was just not the, that was not the final two that I was expecting. I mean, I was expecting Dusty, but I wasn't expecting Dusty and Barb as the final two. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been Lex. I thought it would have been Road Arn, maybe Animal. Maybe Animal pushing it. It would have been Animal. Ivan possibly, but may, but I was my money was really on on Arn. Yeah. Or you know, but but I I mean, hey, whatever. I th- I honestly uh, thought Lex. Yeah, Dusty, I thought it was Dusty be Lex. wins this thing. Yes, Dusty ends up winning. His award is a big ass boot. Boot and a and a check for half a million dollars. Yes, he gets a check for half a million dollars, which uh, is fine. If you want me to throw people out of a steel cage, I will. Fuck it. And I will say this: um, you would think you would. Think because it's a pay per view, because mm-hmm. it's a big event, yeah, they'd have one of those big, colorful half million checks like they do, like on nope, it's TV just shows. a little they teeny, do- little teeny check, and he just waves it in the air, yeah. And they had the funny thing is, is the boot is big as shit anyway, so I don't think a big check would have worked. I mean, yeah, but you could have did something where you have them stand there and you take the pictures. Like and they hold do. the boot. Yeah, yeah, like like have like maybe Jim Crockett comes out. Yeah, there you go. That would have looked good. And been like, Dusty, it is my honor to present to you this check for half a million dollars. And then Thank Dusty, you, baby. My arm is bleeding. Can we get the stitches, baby? <laughs> exactly. The stitches, I, baby. I got the arm bleeding. I bleed my arm, baby. I need a little stitches. Absolutely. Because working hard and getting paid, daddy. That's what the American dream is all about. Yeah, I done won three of these bitches. Yeah. Because he did. He won three. It, this was his third one. Yeah, it was just great because he could have cut a great promo afterwards. You know, talking about how bad he is. Like it was, it was great. That would have been. It, it, they could. This was. It, it could have been so much better. But that was just. Uh, it. It just the concept of the match. It was terrible. Bothered you. It, it bothers me too. Don't feel bad. Yeah. All right. So, Gator, do you have any final uh, thoughts on Bunkhouse Stampede before we wrap this up? Yes. First match, loved it. You know how I am about my beautiful managerial moments. Yes. Second match, it was all right. It had its moments. It drug on a little bit. Ugh. Third match, dear God. Yes. <laughs> all right. The DQ finish. Oy, 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 oy. 
And if and you're... then and then our our steel cage battle royal royal clusterfuck. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so, ladies and gentlemen, the aftermath of this was very interesting because the bunkhouse stampede met little success and was badly criticized. Especially right. its booking was not appreciated due to Dusty Rhodes winning every bunkhouse stampede battle royal. Right. Along with Rhodes's booking, the event was marred by the tickets. <laughs> having the wrong start time on them. Apparently, it said, the ticket said 6.30, but it was advertised as 7.30, causing a majority of the fans to miss the first half of the event. Oh, wow. Yeah, fans who bought tickets missed the first half of the show. Uh, to that's those, not good. That's not good. I mean... And you can see it, and now that I think about it, you can actually see it in the Cornette match. Yeah, and the event gave birth to a new rivalry between Lex Luger and the Four Horsemen, a group yep. Luger left in 87 after losing the United States Championship. On, cl on the first Clash of the Champions, Luger and Barry Windham defeated Horsemen members, the NWA World Tag Team Champions, Arn and Tully, to win the belts. And on April 23rd edition of World Championship Wrestling, they lost the titles back to Arn and, and Tully when Windham betrayed Luger and joined the Horsemen. Luger became the number one contender for Ric Flair's NWA World Championship at, right. and then challenged him for the title at the Great American Bash and Starcade of, right. of 88. But we'll get to those at a later date. So that, ladies because and gentlemen, that is on the list. That is on the list. So that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of the Bunkhouse Stampede. Gator, as always, I appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to do this. And uh, yeah. I look forward to having you I back think, on I for the next one. I think this was good. I think, we had a, I think we had a good discussion, and I think people are going to enjoy this. I, I do, too. I think this is one of the best. This is so far, this is the best one we've ever done. Uh, let's see if we can improve upon it on the next one. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, wrap up the first half of the Boochcast here. So we thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys jump over to part two. We'll be getting into the Wednesday Night Wars with AEW and NXT. And as you know, we're doing something different for the Wednesday Night Wars now. Because this time, it will be Elvis Delinsky and Desmond Dagenhart recapping AEW. And myself and John Tumblin taking care of NXT. So, Oh, poor Desmond. Yeah. Yes, so anyway, make sure, um, so uh, so until next time, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. Support the show through Patreon, and make sure you check out part two. And buy a T-shirt. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>